Welcome to In Another's View, a podcast series to engage the community to stand for neurodiversity through the lens of youth. I'm Joshua Cow, your host. Today, I'm honored to introduce our guest, Megana Gunteri. Megana is a fellow team member in the Stand For Neurodiversity team, and she also is a passionate founder of a nonprofit called Neurodiversity Horizons. Megana is a rising junior in high school. Welcome to In Another's View, Megana. It's an honor to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I can see your passion for neurodiversity through all of your work with Stanford Neurodiversity and Neurodiversity Horizons. Could you share with us what sparked your interest in neurodiversity? Yeah, so it started a long time ago, like a couple years ago when Um, a little cousin of mine was having trouble listening to me practice a violin piece I was doing. And in my opinion, I was like, I was doing it pretty well. But for some reason, she was having a hard time listening to it. She was telling me to stop. And I just couldn't understand like, what exactly was triggering her with me playing the violin because I had never seen that before. And it definitely took me a while to realize. And Uh, I would see her mom kind of get mad at her for interrupting me and just get mad at her for having that difference in opinion. Um, And I definitely felt bad for her seeing all the um, harsh dialogue she was receiving um, by her parents and by her relatives just for um, asking me to stop playing the violin when she was around. But I kind of felt like there was more to it. And so I kind of dug deeper and tried different things with my violin. And I came to find out that she liked only plucking on the strings and um, and she didn't mind that. And so I kind of just stuck to that when she was around. And it kind of made me wonder what exactly caused her to only like this certain style on the violin that I'd never seen before. And um, why were why was everyone reacting so harshly to this difference in opinion? And that kind of uh, started the realization that the lack of education towards this difference in the mind uh, causing her to receive all these harsh dialogues from our parents and um, family members. And so um, Seeing that, I definitely I realized that there was a need for education in regards to neurodiversity, and there was edu- there was a lack of education in this community of differences in the mind, um, and there was a parent stigma I needed to take down. There was a community stigma I needed to take down, and um, I just wanted to look for ways to get involved, and that's when I ended up getting involved with SNP Reach and. Um, it just sparked a lifelong passion from there. Wow, that's very meaningful. And you just mentioned S&P Reach. Ever since embarking on this journey, how has your passion in neurodiversity changed your perspective on life? Um, It kind of made me realize that, like, the beauty in neurodiversity, because growing up, I've always been around special needs kids, but um, it kind of ended up turning into a bystander effect in my elementary school days. It was, it was, um, it was seeing teachers deal with special needs kids and gen- general education kids just were completely separated. 
And so throughout my entire grade school, there was this huge division between special needs, disability, and neurodiversity, and then gen ed kids. And so having taken part in SNP Reach made me realize that that division is causing a lot of problems in a community that may be marginalized and maybe not having a chance to speak in society. And by um, separating them and not letting them speak on their behalf, we're essentially suppressing their opinions and assuming their needs, which is where a lot of problems start to come in. And SNP reached um, helped me realize the small ways that we can start our own advocacy. And having started the social media campaign, um, with, of course, everyone in our team, it was such a pr- pleasure not only to work with other advocates, but to receive the positive messages from social media and to receive people being like, thank you for this post and the comments and the likes. And just that online interaction changed my entire perspective of how people think and changed my entire perspective on um, this advocacy, which I never thought could go so far. Yeah, and thank you for all of your hard work on um, the advocacy through social media platforms. And, you know, we just mentioned that um, that at the S&P Reach Summer Camp, we started the Stanford Neurodiversity Effort. So, Megana, what gave you the idea to start advocating or why did you want to start advocating through specifically social media platforms? Yeah, so... I actually, along with uh, you and Ben, we did the Stanford uh, Neurodiversity Summit where we actually presented all the importance of um, social media and advocacy. But social media is a rising platform that our generation has a lot of access to and a lot of privilege to be one of the first generations to um, use this platform for something good. And Considering it's such a um, diverse platform, so many people have access to it, um, it can really spark a lot of movements and create a huge change just through the um, vastness of how people have access to it and how it's just like an app on everyone's phone. Everyone has it at their fingertips. And there's been some huge campaigns started just through social media and Um, This can start anything from donations to just awareness to acceptance to um, education. It kind of goes so far with um, just its reach and how far you can take it because um, it's just so convenient. So having done it through a social media platform, we are able to reach so many people. Um, We're able to reach people for our summer program guest speakers. We're able to reach groups of people who may need help from our nonprofit, from our social media campaign. And we can just kind of collaborate with a lot of people and further the movement of neurodiversity in such an effective way. Yeah, it's awesome. And ever since the start of it, it has started to amass a lot of followers and positive messages. Um, I remember that one of our most recent posts got almost 700 likes. and. From that growth, how can our listeners start and grow their own neurodiversity advocacy or any initiative effort, whether on social media platforms or just another initiative in general? Yeah, so 
kind of realizing a certain area to target is really important first. Um, neurodiversity itself, the term came in the 1990s, and um, that kind of makes it a fairly recent movement. It is definitely a newer place of advocacy, relatively speaking. And so it's very vast. There's areas like public accommodation. There's areas just like general education. There's areas like um, informing the youth. There's a lot of different um, uh, avenues to go down. So it's really important to first find a specific mission to target. So that way we can uh, target a certain area of advocacy and go all the way in it. So for listeners who are interested in starting a social media platform, um, it's really important for them to, once they find their niche in the field of advocacy, it's important for them to begin their social media account targeted to fixing that problem. And through that, they'll find a community um, that is welcoming and through that they'll be able to create a community that is welcoming and um, in the end they will end up uh, creating a positive impact and just making a lot more people feel welcome than they thought because there is this certain page or this certain uh, social media initiative or campaign that is advocating for people who are just trying to self-advocate so Again, it goes back to that bystander effect. So by social, by starting an, your own social media platform, you would help eliminate that bystander effect by taking charge on your own. Thank you so much for your insight, Megana. And after starting your social media advocacy, you then transitioned into starting a nonprofit and expanding change that way. So what was the main reason you decided to form this other avenue of advocacy? And what are your different missions with your various platforms? Yeah, so we started the social media campaign together. And from there, there was definitely a lot of feedback, a lot of messages that we got. And I was able to realize that um, there is a lot more in this advocacy that we need to target. There's a lot more to be fixed and a lot more to be done. And so I kind of wanted to streamline my advocacy and have people be able to get involved with an actual organization. And that's what really sparked me to start my nonprofit. And so my nonprofit specifically targets several things. Um, the first one being awareness and public accommodation for neurodiverse people. Um, another being that neurodiversity isn't something to be cured there is nothing to be cured about neurodiversity we just need a more accepting society and we just need more accepting minds at the end of the day and we need people to understand that there isn't a certain type of behavior that we need to classify as acceptable um for example if an autistic individual is having trouble making eye contact instead of classifying your your own idea of acceptable behavior and assuming this person to be rude just kind of opening your mind to realize that maybe lack of eye contact doesn't have to be something rude um it doesn't have to be a sign of disrespect kind of just opening up our minds like that is um one of the most important ways that we can target that and that's kind of why i started my nonprofit to just get people involved and spread this idea that 
if you see people in your community who um, maybe think a little differently, there isn't anything that needs to be viewed as a deficit like it has been done for so long. And that was the main idea of my nonprofit and the difference in that effort. Whereas my social media campaign with you guys was to raise, raise educational awareness and create a positive and accepting community online, which of course is very important, but there's also a lot of tangible change that can be done. And that's why I started my nonprofit. Yeah, I definitely love the mindset. So let's continue on your nonprofit. So you have reached you have reached over 21 chapters in your organization, and I can imagine it's only increasing as more people hear about it. So how are you able to expand this nonprofit and get so many people involved from all of different places? And how does having that much reach help advocate for neurodiversity? Yeah, so how I'm able to reach people from different places is that I kind of just always post about it on our social media of course and then I always am hosting a bunch of activities with our nonprofit that gets a lot of people interested because each activity kind of has a really different take on neurodiversity and so for people who want to get involved it ends up the outreach totally ends up being all over the world because of all the people in the world who haven't had a platform to speak on or who desire a platform to speak on, I kind of aim to fill that um, niche in the community with our nonprofit. And um, that's definitely how a lot of people end up getting involved. And another thing of how it helps advocate for neurodiversity is that having that outreach and having that um, ability to talk to a lot of people gives us a big platform to spread our messages. And for example, uh, being based in Southern California, I am pretty unable to reach other places across the US and the world. But through these chapter systems, I was actually ended up being able to collaborate with University of Massachusetts Lowell's Neurodiversity Center, Horizons and Care, which allowed me to be able to create a lot more change um, through this collaboration, being police trainings for neurodiverse people. Um, we were able to partner with them and collaborate with them on their projects. We're able to join their advocacy groups and help out and lead some. And there is definitely a lot of change that we're able to make through our um, initiatives that are around the world. And I only hope to do more with working with all of our chapters. Yeah, so what are some of your big ambitions you would like to accomplish in the next couple of years? Yeah, so some of my big ambitions are definitely, they're very ambitious, but I feel like it's definitely all possible um, with the right mindset and the right people. And so one of the things, there's quite a few things, of course, but I really want to be able to help change play structures to be more accommodating for neurodiverse children. I, like I mentioned earlier, want to um, do police trainings for neurodiverse people. I want to be able to tailor classroom curriculum for um, neurodiverse children. Um, 
I definitely want to create. So we have this group. We have a division of our nonprofit, which is creating guides for neurodiverse people. And they make these guides through, um, like, for example, traveling with dyslexia or going to a concert with hypersensitivities. There's these areas that these guides would be really helpful. There's audio versions, of course, and um, dyslexic font versions. It's very accommodating. And through that, I want to be able to reach like thousands of schools and public areas to be able to put these guides in their areas um, and make it more accessible to neurodiverse people. So um, that's only just a small category of all of our ambitions, of course. Um, it's a lot of advocacy work, but with the people who are willing to work for the cause and with the right mindset and getting the right people involved, it's definitely possible. And um, I think the people who say it's un impossible and the people who try to decrease their advocacy efforts to accommodate for what they feel like the limit is, um, set back the neurodiversity movement and um, yeah, so I just want to be able to create a big change with our nonprofit and social media campaign, as well as other avenues I'm involved with uh, neurodiversity advocacy. I love the vision, and definitely I agree with the mindset um, that you just posed. Mm -hmm. And Megan, throughout this whole interview, it's been really impressive uh, what you've been able to pull off. And how you're inspiring and how you're seeking uh, to create change. So as we close off this episode, final words of wisdom, Megana, for anyone wishing to start their own advocacy efforts, what would be your final words of wisdom? My final words would be that at first, it's definitely intimidating to start a nonprofit or any type of big change, but there's definitely small and big ways to um, create a change in the neurodiversity movement. Um, the first one being small changes, which is just getting involved with your community and seeing how you can make little changes by, um, for example, I volunteer with an organization that helps special needs kids. And through there, I kind of work with uh, just helping out and I kind of see how I can not only just help out with the special needs kids, but also branch out and create little initiatives in that volunteer effort. So those are examples of like small changes you can do just through getting involved with your community. But you can also make really big changes and it does become very intimidating when um, there is definitely a lot of places of advocacy to target and there's a lot of big nonprofits out there. So the advocacy efforts itself becomes very difficult um, when you are one person trying to create a big change. But I think just getting people involved and um, not giving up regardless of how many speed bumps you hit is really important when you want to start your own effort. Because when I started my own nonprofit, there was a lot of bumps. There was a lot of walls that we hit. Um, creative uh, mind blocks as well as actual setbacks uh, through working with people and it's not about how many of those you receive it's how you um, move on from them and create a bigger change beyond those small failures and those small setbacks so definitely no matter what 
issues you face along the way of your advocacy because it's definitely very difficult when you're working on your own. Um, no matter what walls you face and what challenges you face, it's definitely important to just um, move on, remember what you're doing this for, and just to never give up in the end. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom and your insight and experiences through it all. And we hope to hear from you in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. And I look forward to working more in neurodiversity. Megida's message is absolutely amazing. Megida shared the need for education on brain differences and neurodiversity, as all people should have the chance to speak and participate in a community. She also shared valuable insight on how she started her neurodiversity advocacy efforts. Megana chose to look past the bumps, walls, and setbacks, and instead focused on moving on from them and creating change. What's your takeaway? In another's view, we stand for neurodiversity. Signing out.